I'm Nicola Talent, and you're listening to Crime World, a podcast about criminals, drugs, and the sins of the underworld in Ireland and across the globe. It was a brutal gangland murder that made headlines across the world. And two years since 17-year-old Kean Mulready Woods was murdered and dismembered, it seems an uneasy peace has descended on Drogheda. With two men facing trial this year for the teenager's murder, a third due to be sentenced in relation to the disposal of his body, and a number of key players in the feuding gangs behind bars are on the run, a lot has changed for the rival mobs. Today, I'm talking with Irish independent crime correspondent Ken Foy, who tells me that despite the crackdown on organised crime and the success in breaking up two powerful gangs in the commuter town, that Gardaí remain on high alert for a return to violence. This is Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. Welcome back, Mr. Foy. Haven't spoken to you in a while. Happy New Year to you, Nicola. <laughs> you too. Um, enough of the frivolities. We're on to talk about <laughs> something very serious today. Um, it being the second anniversary of the 17-year-old boy, Kean Mulready Woods, who ev- everybody will remember, uh, horrifically murdered and his body dismembered. Just remind us what happened there two years ago in Drogheda. Well, Nicola, um, this day two years ago, Keen Mulready Woods, who was starting to be, be, despite the fact he was only 17, he was actually an active participant in the draw the feud, which was very tense at, the, at that particular time. Um, he was lured to a house in Rathmullen Park in Drogheda, where he was brutally murdered and his body was dismembered. It was a crime that, um, because of the barbarity of it, um, Made nation, made uh, international headlines. Even it was, it was an absolutely savage murder. Yeah, I remember the BBC and everybody was on about it. It was horrendous because, of course, a few days later, I think, or certainly the next day, his his um, parts of his body was found in a sports bag in Moatview in Coolock, and two days later, his head, hands, and feet were discovered in a burning car in Drumcondra, and. I think it took a few months for the for the uh, the guardie to discover the torso. Yes, the torso was actually the, the last last part of Keane's body that that was discovered, and and that wasn't discovered until uh, May of last year. So it was really a truly gruesome crime. But um, very quickly, guardie I think um, had it had a handle on it, and within less than two months of um, the murder taking place. They'd actually made made their first charge in the case, and um, that that particular individual is one of three people that are now currently before the courts in relation to the murder. There's been thirteen people arrested in total, and it's um, it's it's been one of the biggest murder investigations. It, it still is ongoing, but it's um, there, there's I suppose so much so many different facets to it um, in terms of the different individuals who were. Um, I suppose number one involved in in luring Keane to the house and murdering him to the people um, who were involved in um, dismembering and um, 
scattering his body parts at different locations in in Dublin and Loud, and also uh, people on the periphery who uh, provided things like mobile phones to the killers um, and uh, potential alibis to them as well. So um, even though there's three people before the courts, it is quite possible uh, there has been 13 arrests that there may yet be more charges in the case. Mm. And Jared McKenna, who's already pleaded guilty to cleaning and removing evidence, uh, and the other two before the courts are Jared Cruz and Paul Crosby. Uh, and we, we'll come on to him in a minute. But firstly, like, how does a 17-year-old wind up that deeply embedded in a feud that he becomes the victim of such a horrendous crime? Well, I suppose Keane, Mulready, Woods, it, it, Nicola, you, you would have seen it a lot now in, in recent coverage of crime. Um, he, he's just one of the, he was just one of these unfortunate victims, I suppose, that uh, got sucked into a life where, I suppose, organised crime is glorified. Um, he was one of these individuals that had the, the fancy um, Canada goose jacket and various trappings of... Um, I suppose, gangland wealth that you sometimes see in teenagers, even juveniles like he was. And he was, he was just, I suppose, he, it was, he came from disadvantaged circumstances and um, mm. became known to the Gardaí uh, a good year or two before even this had happened. So he, he was a prime target for someone that gets sucked into this gangland culture. And in his instance, uh, I suppose it has been said that he might have played both sides in the draw of the feud, but his his cl- closer allegiances were with the Maguire faction in that particular feud. We can only really say God love him at that age. We've all made stupid decisions as teenagers, and presumably he went into it thinking a glamorous life lay ahead, when in fact the most horrific death um, cut his life short. Uh, before he'd even celebrated his 18th birthday. Um, yeah, it's absolutely tragic. Yeah. Coming on to the, uh, the the two sides of this feud, and I saw you were writing recently about two brothers who are on the run and who, you say, are still controlling uh, a lot of that drug trafficking network around Drogheda, which is very lucrative. Drogheda is a big, big, big commuter town. Lots of young people uh, in it. Um, lots, uh, I think, population of about 100,000. Is that in around right? About the same size as Limerick. Yeah. And um, lots of money in it, really. You know, industry, employment, all the rest of it. So a lucrative drug turf. But who are these two brothers? And what's the situation with them? When did they When did they leave Ireland? Well, the two brothers, they, they cannot... They can't be named for legal reasons because they're facing charges in relation to a, a very serious feud-related incident which occurred um, well over a year before um, Keane Mulready-Woods was murdered. But uh, they would be considered the leaders of what's known as the anti-Maguire faction. Um, they would have been part of all the same gang with Owen Maguire until a, a severe falling out happened within that organisation in early 2018. Um, the two brothers left Ireland. For, there was a huge amount of guard activity um, involving national units in the aftermath of the murder of um, Keane. And these two guys uh, left Ireland just days after it. Um, I believe they first went to Spain, and from Spain then they travelled to Mexico. Uh, Mexico, of course, doesn't have... Um, an extradition treaty with Ireland. 
they're believed during the pandemic to have spent a lot of time in in that country and were joined by their girlfriends. And since then, it's believed uh, that they're currently in Spain, but they've also spent some time in Turkey. But Gardi say that despite them being absent, um, they're still heavily involved in uh, the drugs trafficking business in County Loud and the surrounding counties, even from so far away, and that they're still making big money. There's a, a number of uh, drug seizures last year, significant ones, um, were linked to them. And in Drogheda itself, there was 120 people, uh, roughly 120 people arrested in the town alone for drug dealing last year in 2021 under the Operation Stratus. And well over half of those uh, arrests and those drug seizures um, would be linked to the brothers or, or their associates. So um, mm. it's, it's said, it has been said that they have to still keep um, making money to to keep up their lifestyles. And despite them not being in Ireland, uh, um, Gardy believe they are still con- they still have a controlling element here. Yeah, it cost a lot of money to stay on the run like that and in countries like that um, for such a long time. Of course, these guys are young. They're only in their in their 20s, which is extraordinary to think that they have climbed that far up the ladder um, so early and and quickly. And I suppose what we see all the time is the younger they are, the more, you know, the more high risk activities they carry out and also the more prone they are to go in, get involved in feuding. Because, of course, if you ever want the police down on top of you, that's how to how to get their attention feuding and murders and and you know gun crimes and all the rest of it is exactly what will see extra resources being put into an area um now 120 arrests there last year still a lucrative drug market demand still there but what's happening with the key figures in it um these would be guys that be actually aged in their 40s it would have been encouraged to break away from the Maguire faction and um to to work with them as such, and that's effectively what's happened with them. So, um, yeah, they've even though, despite the fact that neither of them are 30, um, they're both in their mid 20s now, um, three years apart in age, they, they would still be very schooled criminals, um, mm. and they would have major uh, criminal connections with other gangs across the country, in fact. And some of those older criminals you're talking about that encouraged them and would have mentored them as such to go up against Maguire, their former boss, would have been Richie Carberry, who was shot dead in Bettystown in County Meath. And of course, the notorious Robbie Lawler, who um, was released from prison and there was sort of just a lot of violence, a lot of social media activity after that. And he was eventually shot dead up in uh, Ardoyne in, in Belfast in April, I recall, of 2020. Um, so that is one side, if we want to put it as crassly as that. That's one side of the divide. You have these brothers you've talked about. Obviously, the others currently unnamed who've been arrested in connection with this uh, dreadful murder of Keen Mulready Woods. And you've Richie Carberry and Robbie Lawler, both murdered. They would have been on one side of it. On the other side, you have Maguire, who was horrifically injured during a shooting attack which kicked off this feud in 2018 and it was Robbie Lawler who was suspected of being the gunman in that but he aligned himself I think to Cornelius Price and 
who's we'll come to in a minute, but I presume he's still in the same condition he's in as we spoke the last time in hospital. Um, but Cornelius Price and Owen Maguire would have been quite a uh, a significant alliance. But did they find allies in North Dublin as well uh, as part of this feud? Yes, and uh, it, I suppose it, it comp- it, it's why the whole situation became so so very serious and complicated. Um, both both uh, Maguire and Price would have major contacts within the um, tra- within traveller organised crime groups in Dublin, particularly. Well, I suppose all over Dublin, but you're talking about factions like the the Joyce uh, Crime Faction, um, based in Coolock. Mm. Who would be um, traditionally considered, I suppose, one of the capital's most serious um, drug dealing outfits, and it, and they would have had loyalties not just in Dublin. They would have strong links. You mentioned Robbie Lawler and the fact he was killed in Northern Ireland. Um, both Price and Maguire would have strong links to criminal groupings both in Northern Ireland and, in fact, in the UK as well. And if we look at it, and again, I apologise if this sounds crass to be looking at something in such a cold fashion, but as regards the rivalries, that side, uh, the Price-Maguire, have to be very, uh, you know, they have to be the underdogs now. Is that right? Because you've got Cornelius Price, who is in hospital, not expected to survive from a, a severe illness that he has. Maguire is wheelchair bound and... While still running a mob, he certainly has to be weakened. Um, is the other side? Which side would you would you see? Are they both are both sides weakened at this point? Well, Gardy will say that um, both sides are in fact weakened. I know if if, if there was you mentioned the word crass there, mm. if there was a score sheet in relation to these murders, um, it's the Maguire faction that that would be ahead by three to one. Mm. Um, Key Mulready Woods is, is the only person that's aligned to their to their faction that has actually been murdered. Mm-hmm. Um, Richie Carberry, Keith Brannigan, and of course Robbie Lawler all had links um, to to the faction that that was led by the two brothers, the anti Maguire faction, as you call it. Yes, um, but there, there's absolutely no doubt that the, the murder of this, the terrible murder of this teenager, has has. Uh, weakened both factions um, mm. between the fact that it has led to a number of the main protagonists being locked up in jail, um, a number of people being on the run from both sides, and then people, even d- though they, they fled Ireland, facing serious charges in the UK and stuff like that. What's likely to happen next? I mean, are these trials, these Irish trials in the Special Criminal Court expected to be heard this year? Well, well, there's there's going to be two court cases. The first is Jared McKenna. Um, he pleaded guilty in November. Um, he's the first person person to be convicted of involvement in, in the murder. He has basically admitted to cleaning up and removing evidence from the scene in Ratmullen Park where Keane was murdered. Mm. Um, he's been in custody. Uh, he was the first person charged, which was only a few weeks after the murder, and he's been in custody um, basically most of the time since then. Um, he's in jail now, so that case is up for mention in February. So later in the spring, it's expected he's going to be in, uh, sentenced, um, and that the charges uh, for impeding the apprehension or prosecution of another person in relation to a murder. So he he has a number of previous convictions. He's a 52 year old man, and he he can expect, I'd imagine, a lengthy sentence. That that sentencing hearing 
will be heard at Dublin Circuit Court. He opted not to go for a jury trial. So then in late April, um, the case of Paul Crosby and his co-accused, Jared Cruz, is due to be heard at the Special Criminal Court, which is a non-jury court. Mm. Um, both men have pleaded not guilty, so it's expected to be a lengthy enough trial, um, and it, 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 it's sure to will generate a huge amount of interest, I'd imagine. Mm-hmm. And obviously, there'll be it'll be up to the direct public prosecutions to decide on whether or not there will be further charges in relation to the all 13 arrests, obviously three people charged, but there's 10 others that have been brought in for questioning in relation to it. And Cornelius Price, is there any update on his condition in the UK? Well, since we since we last spoke about Cornelius Price, Nicola, which is a number of months ago, his condition has not changed. Um, mm. He's he's still gravely ill. It's believed he's on a st- he's on a ventilator. He suffered. Uh, it, it emerged details of his illness actually emerged at a court hearing in London uh, last month, where. Uh, it was disclosed that he he suffered a he's suffering from a very serious brain condition. Um, so he was actually due to go on trial with a number of other criminals, including um, an individual that's involved in the draw the feud in relation to a kidnapping plot. That that trial was listed uh, for December the eighth, which was actually uh, Price's fortieth birthday. But because of his medical condition, it got adjourned at that court hearing. And it got adjourned till November of next year. So there, there are fears that Price um, will never recover from this very serious medical condition. So it's, it's not known whether that trial will ever even take place. Mm, mm. And for the moment, anyway, there's been a lid kept on any feuding with the um, the what can only be described really is and give them their due when it's when it is due. But excellent policing up in the in the Drahad area, which is kind of quelled. Um, and preempted any 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 further flashpoints up there. They were there was extra policing put in. I think over the Christmas period, and that in in case there was any any feud activity. Yeah, well, there was there was very serious concerns in the build up to Christmas that uh, things were about to get very serious there again. And um, there was a, a firebombing incident, and there was an incident where um, they a completely innocent family had their house shot up. The target of that incident, target of that incident, who actually is a teenager as well, who would have been very friendly with Keen Mulready Woods, he was not even in the property at the time that the shooting happened, which was in early December. Um, and Gardy just felt that things were really hotting up again. And the problem was, and what what they noticed is that, that the disputes that were breaking out among criminals in the town was was not along the traditional divide of the feud between the anti-Maguire faction and the other faction that's le- uh, led by the two brothers. Separate uh, disputes have broken out among other criminals uh, in the absence of many of the main players being in the town. For example, um, the incident where the innocent family were targeted, where the the intended target was Team Mul- Mulready Woods, um, former mm. best pal, um, that related to an incident between young teenage criminals and a up and coming gang from a, a town just out, outside rather called um do mm. do leak and um it's just with one of one of a num- number of different arguments that were just kind of getting out of hand and with that in mind uh, senior guard management up there 
over the Christmas period requested um, officers to come in to do overtime and, and set up a number of armed checkpoints uh, just, I suppose, to reassert some authority because of these incidents, I suppose, I'd seen it all before and I'd seen the consequences of, of when these things kind of get out of control, as, as which led to the murder of uh, Keen Mulready Woods. So um, what happened, the policing plan did work and there was actually no major incidents at all um, in the last few yeah. weeks in the town. Unfortunately, with these feuds, they're the kind of things you learn, aren't you? Aren't they like between the police and ourselves, even that you you can kind of almost foresee what is coming? Um, you know, that that sort of idea of that breakaway feuding feuds within feuds and um, they nearly follow a course, don't they? These 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 feuds. Well, yeah, it, it needs to be constantly watched because, yeah. I suppose it's, it's old hat to say that, you know, as soon as somebody is taken out, whether they're jailed or shot, um, that there's always someone to take their place. But it is actually true. Yeah. And I suppose the scary thing as well, when you're dealing with this situation there, is a lot of these um, people are just teenagers. Uh, but what's a major problem in Drada and in the outlying towns around it is drug intimidation. And it's always been a feature of the feud ever since it started, but it, it's it's just as serious as it ever was. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, that RD, uh, which would be a town about 25 kilometres from Drogheda, um, the Maguire faction seem to have a bit of a stronghold in the town. And it's there's a situation there that just before Christmas was, I, I suppose it's typical of what's going on. There was, a, again, a, an innocent woman aged in her 40s um, ended up being officially warned of an active threat against her, her life from this faction. Um, she was kind of inexplicably almost blamed for a 2000 drugs death, which she knew nothing about. Mm-hmm. But this led to her home being attacked on a number of occasions in late November and early December. And um, very serious threats being made. Or, uh, that armed patrols had to patrol, armed patrols had to um, look out for her in the estate that she lived in uh, coming up to Christmas. And it's a situation like this. It wouldn't. It didn't generate much headlines. But these are the kind of insidious things that are going on all the time mm. in relation to to how these gangs are operating, destroying communities and terrifying people. And you know, unfortunately, you'd you'd, you'd have hoped that uh, you know lessons would have been learned from Keen Mulready Woods, but uh, and his awful end. But as you say, teenagers still involved, and even some of his friends still. Um, still very much involved in it all. Okay, well look, Ken, thanks very much for your time today. Thanks, Dick. You've been listening to Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com, produced by Ian Mullaney and edited by me, Nicola Talent. If you like the podcast and love true crime, why not download the free sundayworld.com app for lots more stories from Ireland and across the globe.